Good morning, Rogers Park. My name is Shine Gidla. I'm, oops, <laughs> sorry. My name is Shine Gidla. I'm doing my Masters in Divinity at Moody Theological Seminary. And I've been working, and I've been working alongside the pastoral team within the Rogers Park Network. And primarily, I'm serving at the West Rogers Park, where I had the privilege of leading the home churches there. And today, it's my absolute privilege to bring God's word to you this morning. We are in the middle of the series called the I Am series, where we have been looking at the I Am statements of Jesus. And today, we'll be looking at the third statement which Jesus made in the I Am series. We are going to travel a lot and pass through something today. So I would ask you to be ready as we are going to pass through it. A man was driving in his car on a highway and his car broke down near a monastery. So he went into the monastery and he asked the monks, my car broke down, can I stay with you tonight? The monks were very kind. They offered him food, they offered him bed and they said, yes, you can sleep here tonight. So the man was sleeping there that night and while he was sleeping, he heard some weird noises. So the next morning, he woke up and he went to the monks and he said, thank you so much for having me. What were those weird noises that were coming from that door? The monks said, sorry, we can't share it with you because you're not a monk. So the man was disappointed. He went back. After a few years, the man was traveling again on the same road and his car broke down again near the monastery. He went into the monastery and the same thing happened again. He heard some weird noises when he was sleeping. The next morning, he asked the monk again, can you please say what are those weird noises coming from the door? The monk said, sorry, we can't share it with you because you're not a monk. This guy was frustrated. He said, okay, the only thing I can know what's behind the door is I need to become a monk. So please share it with me. How can I be a monk? So the monk said, you need to travel the whole world. You need to find out the number of sand pebbles and how many blades of grass are there in this world. And then when you come and say the number, you can be a monk. So this guy went. He traveled all over the world. He came back after 54 years and said, these are the numbers. And then the monk said, congrats, you're now a monk. Here is the key for the door. So this guy was so excited to open the door and find out what's inside the door. He went and opened one door and to his surprise, he found there was another wooden door and he opened that other wooden door and to his surprise, he found out there was a door made of stone. And so he kept on opening doors. He opened a golden door, he kept on opening a platinum door diamond door and in the end he opened the last door and he was surprised to see what he found out. Do you guys want to know what he found out? Yeah, sorry, I can't say it to you because you're not a monk. <laughs> Have this happened to you ever? Have you wanted to enter a door where you wanted to go inside but it never happened? Maybe you wanted to enter into a concert, 
which you loved, but the concert was full and you're not allowed to go into the concert. Maybe you wanted to watch your favorite sports game, maybe the Cubs final, and the tickets were sold out and you couldn't have a chance to go in. Or maybe you wanted to go into a room where you would feel safe and secure so that nothing can affect you. Has this ever happened to you? And you could not go in because there were some requirements. But what if I told you there is a door which is open to everyone? There is a door. You don't need to be a monk. You don't need to be rich. You don't need to be educated. You don't need to be, have all these qualifications to enter. It's open to each one of you. It's open to anyone. It's open to any number of people. Who is that door? And what happens if you pass through that door? That's what we are going to look today in John chapter 10, verse 1 to 10. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John chapter 10, verse 1 to 10. John chapter 10, verse to 10 says this. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the door, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the door for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the door for the sheep. And, who, and all who have come, come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Amen. So that's the passage. It's a very familiar passage, but not necessarily an easy passage. It's not an easy passage because it, it has mixed metaphor. In the first few verses, Jesus refers himself as a shepherd. And when you look at verse 7 to 10, he says, I am the door. So you see mixed metaphors. Now, mixed metaphors are not unusual in the I am sayings of Jesus. For example, if you look at John 6.35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And in 6.51, he says, I am the giver of bread of life. So mixed metaphors. So we need to expect mixed metaphors because the people to whom Jesus was speaking were rather dull and slow to understand. So Jesus used to explain things in different directions, different angles, different word pictures, so that people could understand. So we need to expect mixed metaphors. And mixed metaphors also ask us to pause 
and think, what's this word picture about? So this passage is not an easy, easy passage. But today is your lucky day. I'm going to unpack this, and this is all free for you. So to understand this passage, we need to understand first what's happening in this passage. And to understand what's happening in this passage, we need to look at the context. And the immediate context of John chapter 10 is obviously John chapter 9. And John chapter 9 is the story of a blind person who was born blind and Jesus heals him on the Sabbath and he was roundly condemned by the Pharisees. And in fact, the Pharisees drive this blind person out of the temple. And if you look at chapter 10, I believe chapter 9 and chapter 10 doesn't have a break. I believe it's the same narrative. And if you look at verse 21, it strengthens the case because someone in the crowd refers to this blind person again. So I believe this is one narrative unit, chapter 9 and chapter 10. So that's the context of chapter 10. So who are these Pharisees? These Pharisees are the false shepherds of Israel. These Pharisees are the false shepherds mentioned in Ezekiel 34. We don't have time to look at the whole chapter of Ezekiel chapter 34, but I would request you guys to go home and read Ezekiel chapter 34, which helps us to understand John 10 a lot. But when you look at the first few verses of Ezekiel 34, it says, Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourself. Shouldn't the shepherds take care of their flock? You have treated your people harshly and brutally. So the Pharisees are these false shepherds mentioned in Ezekiel 34. And the thieves and robbers described by Jesus in John chapter 10. Who climb the sheepfold by not entering through the door, which is the right and proper way, but they climb in some wrong ways. They don't care about their people. They only come to kill, steal, and destroy. And in the two examples which we have seen, they behaved as these false shepherds. So now that's the context of John chapter 10. The context is the story of a blind person. And more specifically, the context is the attitude of the Pharisees toward the blind person and then Jesus himself. So we have seen the example of these false shepherds, and now we need to contrast it with the true shepherd. And Jesus does it in chapter 10, in the first few verses of chapter 10. He contrasts himself with this false shepherd, and he says, I am the true shepherd. Now, this passage has images of sheep and shepherd. To be honest, I don't know much about sheep. I'm not that familiar with the private lives of sheep. The only thing I know is I eat sheep and goat. <laughs> but this image is very important. This image is used in the Bible regularly. 
So we need to spend time to understand this image. When you look at the Bible, this image is used very often. Abraham was a shepherd. Isaac was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. The boy David was a shepherd. And even in the Christmas story, the shepherds were involved. So Jesus uses a very familiar picture so that people can understand this picture. Now, during those days in the dry plateau of Jerusalem and Judea, where there was very less grass, sheep needed to be taken to different places so that they can have the grass. They need to be led to different places. Today, sheep are rather like they're in large flocks and they are led primarily by sheep dogs. Usually the dogs come behind the sheep and then the sheep hurry. But in those days, the shepherds used to go ahead of their sheep and they would guide the sheep. In those days, the sheep were primarily raised for wool rather than meat. So basically, the Middle Eastern shepherds, they used to have a smaller flock of sheep which they used to tend for several years. And the shepherds used to get know their sheep very well. And the sheep listened to their voice. They could recognize their voice, literally. So these shepherds have small flocks which they would tend for several years. Now being a shepherd was very tough. Extremes of heat and cold, the threat of predators, and the constant need for vigilance. Even the hard and strong shepherds, they needed to sleep during the night. They needed rest. So what they used to do, all these shepherds used to gather their sheep in a fold, and they used to hire a night watchman so that he would guard the door and he would protect the sheep from danger coming during the night. And the shepherds used to go and sleep during the night. And after the morning, they come and they used to call out to their own sheep. And they used to do that by making a noise, a noise which is rather eerie. I would like to hear that. They also sometimes used to play a flute, which used to make some weird noise, but the sheep used to recognize this noise and they would come to their shepherd. And no matter how louder another shepherd made a noise, the sheep could not recognize them. They would never go to the other shepherd. They always used to follow their own shepherd. Now, we looked at the background of the sheep and got some understanding of how the sheep follow the shepherd. Now, the obvious question which comes as we read the first few verses of chapter 10 is, what's the image of the sheepfold? What is Jesus presenting to us in the sheepfold? What is the sheepfold? What does it represent? Many commentators give different interpretations. Few people say the sheepfold is the church. If it's the church, then there's a problem because the text says 
the shepherd comes in and leads his sheep outside. So if it's, it's the church, does Jesus lead his people out of the church? Uh, that's a problem. Few people say it's a heaven. There is a problem again. Does Jesus lead his people outside heaven? I don't think so. If you look at the context, it's very clear, and the general sense of the passage makes it very clear that the sheepfold is Israel, the Jewish nation of Israel. At that time, they were ruled by false shepherds who illegitimately climbed, who did not came into the sheepfold through the door, which is the proper and right way, but they came through wrong ways. They came and they ruled these Israelites very brutally. They used to come, kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says he is the true shepherd. He is the one appointed by God who enters into the sheepfold, which is the Jewish nation, Israel, and he leads the people out of Judaism. And this makes more sense when you look at verse 16. Jesus says, there are other sheep who are not of this fold, which obviously are referred to the Gentiles. So Jesus is the true shepherd who not just enters into Israel and brings people out of Judaism, he also has other sheep who are the Gentiles who he enters and brings them out of their own darkness and leads them into the abundant life which he gives them. So Jesus here is saying, I am the door of the sheep. He is saying, I am the true shepherd whom God has appointed and I have the absolute right to enter into the sheepfold and bring my people out of the darkness of Judaism and out of the darkness of their own sin. Jesus is saying he is the true one. He is saying he knows his own people and his people hear his voice. Jesus is saying his people will follow him. It's an absolutely wonderful truth that Jesus knows his sheep personally. He knows each one of their names personally. Roger Spark, he knows each one of us personally. He knows your name personally. And that's the beauty which is presented in the first few verses of John chapter 10. And the gospel is right here very wonderfully illustrated through this word picture. Jesus knows you by, his, by your name and you can hear his voice. A lady was using his phone and she received a text notification from Amazon saying, your, your order has been shipped. She was surprised. She goes, I didn't order anything. What is this that's being shipped? And the next day, she found out in front of her door, she had a $160 dollhouse 
and a four pounds of sugar cookies. She was surprised. How did this happen? So later she found out that her six-year-old kid was playing with Alexa, a virtual device which is operated by a voice. So the girl was playing with Alexa and the girl said, hey Alexa, can we play dollhouse and can you buy me a dollhouse? So the Alexa went ahead, she ordered a dollhouse and there you go, there was a dollhouse in front of their house. This story got viral and this story was being reported by news channels. And one day when this news was being reported, the reporter said something like this. He said, I love this girl. I like the way she said, Alexa ordered me a dollhouse. And when these words were uttered, all the people who were hearing this on their TV and who had Alexas, Alexas at their home, all their Alexas ordered dollhouse to their homes. All these people got frustrated canceling their orders. That's the picture of the six-year-old girl. So the point is, Alexa could not recognize her owner's voice. It followed someone else's voice. And it ordered dollhouse to their home. Glad none of us have Alexas here right now. We only have Hey series and OK, OK Googles in our phones. So the point is, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. They don't, does not listen to any other voice. Roger Spark, how are we hearing God's word? How are we listening to God's word? How are we recognizing his voice and not following anyone else? I would ask us to do something very specific to hear God's word. We have just seen technology is flawed, but it can be used. So I would ask you guys to download an audio Bible in your phones. And every morning when you commute to work or when you go to your school or even when you are at your homes, make it a habit to listen to God's word at least 30 minutes. Make it a habit to listen to God's word every day so that we will recognize his voice. And no, mat no matter any voice which comes from the world, we will not follow. We will only follow the word of God. So, so that's the first half of the John 10 chapter, first five verses. And then in the verse seven, Jesus suddenly changed the picture. Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. Why does Jesus do that? I think we don't need to struggle a lot because John gives the answer. In verse 6, he says, because the people did not understand what he said. So Jesus uses another word picture so that people could understand what he was trying to say. Now again, in verses 7 to 10, we see that Jesus uses the same images. We see the image of sheep. We see this image of shepherd. And we see also the sheepfold. Now, if the door is the entry into the sheepfold, 
does the picture of the sheepfold change? Because if the door is the entrance to the sheepfold, then does Jesus again welcome the believing Jews again back into Judaism? Or does he welcome the believing Gentiles again back into their old sin? If the sheepfold is changed, the picture is changed, few people suggest that it's the church now. The picture is changed and the sheepfold is church. I think that's not the case. I think some, Jesus is trying to say something very different here. If you look at verse 7, Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep and whoever enters through me will be saved. And if you look at the word enters, the word enters in the original language literally means pass by, to pass through. So I believe Jesus is saying, if, it, if this is true, Jesus is saying he's not going to lead people inside, but he's going to lead people outside. He's going to come into the fold and he's going to lead people from Judaism outside of their darkness. And it's only by passing through him, through the door, that we can be saved. It's only by passing through the door of Jesus we can be saved from the sin of our sheepfold, from the insecurities of the flimsy walls, from the ever-present threat of the predators, from the threat and from these false shepherds. It's only by passing through the door of Jesus we can be saved. And this is the wonderful truth. And this is the gospel which is clearly shown to us in John chapter 10. The gospel is laid out to us in this word picture. In verses 7 to 10, we see Jesus says, Most assuredly, I am the door of the sheep, and whoever passes through me will be saved. This is so true. If you unpack the gospel, you see that God sends first Jesus to Israel and then to everyone else, to the Gentiles. Jesus comes, he enters into the sheepfold, and he brings the people of Jews out of the darkness from Judaism into the light of the gospel, into the light of the new covenant. And then he also enters into the Gentile world where he brings them out of their own darkness. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the gospel which is being shown in this word picture, Roger Park. Jesus is saying, most assuredly, I am the door of the sheep. Now, no matter whatever the nature of the sheepfold is, different interpreters, different commentators say different things. But one thing is common. The centrality of this passage is very common. This passage teaches us that we, as God's people, have security. And our security doesn't lie in the walls of the sheepfold. All of us 
place our security and our trust and our hope in false things sometimes. We place our trust in the walls of sheepfold. We place our trust in our marriage. We place our trust in our money. We place our trust in our children. Or we may place our trust in our ministry. Or we may place our trust in how good I delivered the sermon. We place our trust in wrong things. But this passage teaches us that our security ultimately doesn't lie in those things. But our security lies in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Our relationship with Jesus keeps us safe. No one can steal us away from Jesus. Under the good shepherd, under the care of the true shepherd, we are safe no matter what happens. And he leads us into green pastures. And he leads us in and out. Now the now the phrase in coming in and out is described in the Bible which refers to the daily activities of life. So Jesus comes and he delivers us from our darkness and he leads us into freedom where we have the freedom to come in and go out with total liberty and freedom knowing that Jesus knows us personally by name. He knows us, he calls us, and he leads us. This is the beautiful gospel which is given to us in John chapter 10. James Packer, who is a well-known author, wrote a book, Knowing God. And in the first pages of this book, in the introduction, he says, it's a wonderful thing to know God. But it's even more wonderful to be known by God. Have you ever reflected on this astonishing truth? As people of God, God knows us. And he cares for us. And he shepherds us under his care. And we, as his people, hear his voice. And we follow him. So Roger Spark, if all this is true, what does it matter? How can I apply this? If all this is true, what does it care? How can I apply? I would like to give four applications. If this is all true, how can we apply this? First one, I hope we see the theology of salvation here. Now, theology is an academic word. In our culture, people say, give us stories. We would like to learn through stories. But the question is, what do we want to learn? Yes, stories are good. They are important. They have a right place. But with all this pictures and stories and illustrations, what is Jesus teaching us here? Jesus is teaching the gospel. He is teaching the theology of salvation here. You might be a person 
who is driven by feelings. And most of us are to some extent. But the truth which here is present is a solid fact. And if we make in our lives, if we make this truth to be filled in our minds and let this theology be soaked in our minds. And by saying theology, I don't mean a dusty theology. I mean a living theology which is based on the word of God. If we fill our minds with the living theology of the word of God, our feelings will follow the facts, which is much healthier. And I would like us to do something very specific to remember this solid fact, the truth, the gospel, the, the door, the only way to salvation. Jesus is the only way. I would like us to do something very specific. I would like us to do every day when you come back home from your homes, from work or from school, and when you open your front door, I want us to remember this. As you open your front doors and you enter your home, I want us to remember the truth that Jesus is the door. I want us to fill our minds with the beauty of the gospel and the theology of the living word of God. So that's the first application. The second application, we are secure under the care of Jesus. No matter what happens in this world, the one true God, Jesus Christ, cares for us, he tends us, he leads us, and he cares for us. Sometimes the world may see arid and dry, but Jesus, the one appointed by God, fights for our case. He is always going ahead of us, and he is leading us to wonderful things where there will be showers of blessing and abundant life. So we are always secure under the care of Jesus. And thirdly, we as a church work very hard to share the gospel in different ways. We know the work being done in Rogers Park. We know the work being done all throughout the city, through park, and even throughout the world. And we appreciate the work that is being done by our staff, by other people, and we support them and we encourage them. But to be honest, it's sometimes hard. We live in a culture where it's sometimes dispiriting. But this passage encourages us. It reminds us that God knows his people. He knows them by name. And he calls them by name. And the people will recognize his voice. And they will trust Jesus. This passage encourages us to share the good news. To go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Because God knows his people and his people will hear his voice for sure. 
So this passage encourages us to go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And finally, if any one of you here who have not passed through that door, and if you are hearing the word of God now, and if you are hearing his voice, I would humbly request you to recognize his voice. I would ask you to please take that step to pass through that door. You don't need to be a monk. You don't need to be rich. You don't need to be educated. Jesus is opening the door wide open to you and is offering you the abundant life. You just need to pass through that door. So I would humbly request you to enter through this door, pass through this door, so that you'll be safe and secure forever where you'll have abundant life. There will be our elders and deacons will be standing in front of the stage. You can come after the service and they'll be willing to pray for you. Roger Park. Most assuredly, Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep.